Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Our first scripture reading is from Exodus 12, verses 7 and 13. Take some of the blood and smear it on the two doorposts, on the beam over the door of the houses in which they are eating. The blood will be your sign on the houses where you live. Whenever I see the blood, I'll pass over you. No plague will destroy you when I strike the land of Israel. Our second reading today is from Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 14 through 20. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table, and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I earnestly desire to eat Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I, will not, I won't eat until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it amongst yourselves. I tell you that from now on I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, This cup is a new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. The third reading is from Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Through his faithfulness, God displayed Jesus as the place of sacrifice where mercy is found by means of his blood. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness in passing over sins that happened before. Luke 24, verses 1 through 6. Very early in the morning on that first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing fragrant spices they had prepared. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them, gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. Sorry, toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but he has risen. And finally, from 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57. Where is your victory, death? Where is your sting, death? Death's sting is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So something I observed over the last number of years, something about my brain. Um, When I'm writing or working on a sermon, sometimes I'll get super focused, trying to solve a problem, trying to flesh something out. And uh, I notice if I take a step back, sometimes just walking away, going to a different room, even that's like enough where I'll, I'll get the, the insight I was looking for. Or perhaps I'll, I'll step away, you know, switch over the laundry, empty the dishwasher, just get myself into a different activity. And next thing you know, my brain just unfolds uh, what it needed to, to unfold. Or perhaps later on in the day, if I'm exercising, or even it's like later on in the week, I'm, I'm in an activity that has nothing to do with my sermon. Out of nowhere, the point comes. Ah, yes, this, 
this is the thing. This is this is the, the, the thing that I just needed like needed to see clearly. It's here, it's alive in my head. My brain figured it out. <laughs> and I've I've also noticed that God often gets our attention not through hardcore theological concentra- concentration, but God likes to, to meet up, meet us in down earth ways. You know, I'm not being anti intellectual whatsoever, but I, I think God is patient with us as we hammer out our theology, as we, we think really deep. And then it's like it's almost like God comes out as slant. Have you ever seen seen the uh, optical illusion? Things where if you look at it like this, you, it's just a blur. But then when you tilt it, all of a sudden you you see the image. Sometimes I think that's how God likes to work in our lives. It's, it's like a yeah, I've I've been here the whole whole time, child. You're just you're finally seeing me. Your eyes are soft enough to see me. And so today, uh, along with these these thoughts here this morning, I. I just want to hang out with some Jesus stories. I just want to hang out with some Jesus stories. We'll, we'll be in Luke's Gospel account. Yeah, but, but first, I, I really want to uh, encourage you. I'm going to ask you to do something here. I'm going to encourage you to try to put down the stories that perhaps you're writing in your head right now. Distractions, thinking about Easter lunch, Easter dinner later today. Who knows what it is? Everyone's different. I don't know what's in your minds right now. But I, I want to ask, ask you all to kind of take that, that breath and just be like, hey, you know what? Let me just take a step back. Let me put the pen down. Let me just be a listener of a, of a Jesus story today. I, I want us to see Jesus. I want us to see him clearly. I want us to hear from Jesus today. I want us to recognize Jesus. And so, as I said, we're going to be in Luke's Gospel accounts today. I'll summarize uh, large portions of it. I'll also read it from the text as well. Uh, but we're going to hang out with some Jesus stories and then take communion together today. Does that sound good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so we're in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And uh, it is Passover time, which is the annual holiday, holy day, a Jewish holy day, where they are looking back in history. By Jesus' time, this was an ancient story. You know, this happened a long time ago, the, the story of the Exodus, where uh, the, the, the Hebrews had to take a, a lamb, sacrifice, the sacrificial blood of the lamb was put on the, the doorposts. Passover is, is a holiday of faith, it's a, it's a holiday of, of about rescue and freedom from death, and and so, um, baked into Israel's story is that they, they were supposed to remember this year after year after year. And now we get to our Jesus story. It's Passover time. And Jesus sends Peter and John ahead. And he wants them to prepare the Passover meal. And long story short, uh, they, they find a room. It's an upstairs guest room. And this is where Jesus and his disciples... And potentially there's others there, we're not sure, but maybe. Uh, but this is where Jesus is going to have his Passover meal. And so here, in Luke chapter 22, we find Jesus reclining. He's reclining at the table with his friends, enjoying the Passover meal. 
And the Passover meal, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a story meal where each each part of the, the meal has symbolism and, and meaning to it. There, there's a story that goes with each part. And so Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. And you know, um, there's actually four cups in the traditional Passover meal. Jesus takes the fourth cup and he puts a new spin on it. And he takes the bread and he puts a new spin on it. He, he takes the bread, gives, gives, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and then he gives it to them. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This is the cup of the new covenant, established in my blood. It is shed for you. So Jesus, he, he takes these, these elements, he takes the, 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 the parts of the meal, and he puts a new story. It, it, it's going to make a whole lot of sense after, after the cross and resurrection here. But he points to the bread and the cup. The cup is symbolic of the new covenant. This new covenant is going to be established, it's going to be cut by his own bloodshed. And then he also takes unleavened bread and he breaks it, he, he tears it, okay, he breaks it. And this, this bread, which represents sustenance and nourishment, it's going to symbolize Jesus' body. Jesus is giving his body away, he is, his body is going to be broken. And then he says, okay, all of this, do this in remembrance of me. And so Passover is already a, a remembrance meal. But now, again, he's putting a new spin on it. He's like, do this in remembrance of me. So let's try to step into the disciples' minds real quick. With all the symbols of Passover going on, this is a story that they, they grew up with year after year. They know Passover. The stories of God's rescue, having complete dependence on God. God is the Savior the sacrificial lamb, Jesus talking about suffering, bloodshed, broken bodies. Like, like what could all of this, this mean? And then a little bit later in the evening, Jesus goes on to bestow his kingdom to the disciples. All right? Just as the Father bestowed a kingdom to Jesus, now Jesus is giving his, his kingdom away. Verse 29. I bestow on you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. So let's just think about that real quick. What, what does it mean to bestow a kingdom? It means abiding, living in the kingdom, representing the king and the kingdom. It, it means to share in the administration of, of the kingdom work. Let's ask, okay, in the disciples' world, how do you become powerful? How do you become rich? Well, most likely, you're probably born into it, or you achieve this by violence or some sort of power.
power manipulation, some sort of thing like that. Okay? Let's, let's keep soft eyes on the story. Jesus shares this covenant meal with his disciples. And then he invites them to be active participants in the kingdom of God. Not just participants, but he, he bestows this. Like he confers this kingdom to them. Jesus says, hey, where I'm from, what I represent, where my authority and power reigns, I'm giving that away to you. Here's the keys to dad's mansion. Here's the keys to dad's car. Here's dad's credit card. Okay? I'm, I'm giving this kingdom away. So covenant meal, the bestowing of a kingdom. <coughs> and then after the meal... Jesus and the disciples, they, they leave the city, they leave town, they didn't go far, kind of go down a, a valley and then up a hill to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane, and there in the night, Jesus invites his disciples to pray. And then Jesus goes about a stone throws away from the disciples. And here, Jesus is praying, and he is praying intensely. The, the path of the cross is suffering. He knows what's, what's coming up. Jesus is praying. As the story goes, <coughs> Jesus is betrayed by, by Judas. He's arrested. He's mocked. He's beaten. He's blindfolded. Blasphemous, meaning profane things are spoken against him. He was denied by Peter, abandoned by all of his friends, a legal trial at night. At daybreak, a Jewish council uh, gets together. They meet at the high priest's house. His name is Caiaphas, and they are interrogating Jesus. And actually, that morning uh, on Friday, a slew of trials continue. It's very fast-paced. It's very chaotic. Jesus goes from that Jewish council to Pilate, who's the Roman governor. And then to Herod, who's like the, the local like little king guy. And then back to Pilate. Okay? He had a really busy morning. Completely innocent Jesus was even flogged. Crown of thorns pressed into his, his brow. As they say, chaos creates opportunity. Well, yeah. Eventually the crowds, they can put on some good pressure. This pressure of the crowd, it, it led Jesus to crucifixion. He was led to be crucified on the cross. So the man of peace, love, grace, and truth, he endured our chaos, our hate and fear. He endured our disgrace and cruelty. He endured our lies. And like an outlaw, Jesus was crucified between two criminals. A crucifixion, it's designed to make you suffer. And it can actually take days. If you do it right, and the Roman soldiers were, were pretty good at it, if you do it right, it, it can take days to die on the cross. It didn't take Jesus long to die. And you can ask any, anybody who's a healthcare worker, a doctor, a nurse, anybody with a little bit of medical insight. I mean, yeah, Jesus' body was 
loss of blood. He was he was beaten, nailed to the cross. Verse uh, chapter chapter twenty three, verse forty four. Here it was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sun's light failed. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. And Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what happened, he began to glorify God, saying, This man really was righteous. All the crowds that had gathered for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they went home striking their chests. But all who knew him, Including the women who had followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. In John's gospel account, Jesus says, It is finished. Meaning there is nothing more that needs to be done than what has already been done. Jesus' work is complete, it's finished. You can't add to it. So Jesus dies on the cross. And then a, a pro-Jesus member of the Jewish council, his name was Joseph from Arimathea, a, a, a town not too far from, from Jerusalem. He had a freshly cut tomb ready to go. And he legally gets permission to receive the body of Jesus. And the body was taken care of. They had to move fast because at 6 p.m. it's Sabbath time. Sabbath starts at sundown. And so they had to quickly bury Jesus he was wrapped up, spices were involved, he was placed in the tomb. The tomb was sealed. And then as it says in verse 56, it was officially sundown, it's officially Sabbath. What a traumatic, chaotic day. And then at sundown, it's the day of rest. It is Sabbath. So just like the creation story where God does his good work and then takes a day of rest. Here we see Jesus' work is complete and then it's a day of rest. The Sabbath rolls on Saturday and then early Sunday morning our Easter ladies, Jesus ladies, they, they arrive to find that the stone that was blocking the entrance to this grave, it, it was rolled away. It was rolled away. There, there's nobody in, in, in the grave. There's no body in the grave. And Luke tells us that there's two men in dazzling clothes. Not exactly sure what, what that means, but Luke says dazzling, and they were dazzling. Two men show up in jug beans, dazzling clothes. Verse, uh, verse 5. In Luke chapter 24. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He is not here. But he has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified and rise on the third day. Verse 8. I think it's very important. And they remembered his words. They had an aha moment. 
Oh yeah, Jesus did say this. I can connect the dots here. Jesus did talk about this. I remember what Jesus said. I remember. And so the ladies, they, they leave there and they go to the disciples and there's others gathered there as well. They go and they, they, they share what they experience in this, this garden tomb. You know, what amazing nonsense, right? Well, Peter and John, we know they, they get up and they run to the tomb. They have to see it for themselves. And sure enough, it is empty. And in Luke chapter 24, Luke pivots to a further story here. He moves on and focuses on these, these two believers. They were there in Jerusalem for the holiday, and now they're walking back home. They're headed to Emmaus, a village about seven miles away, I believe. These two believers, they're discussing everything that had happened. Okay, They're, they're processing everything. Some of you like to process. You like to put your, your head together with another person's head, and you're like, hey, let's, let's hash this out. Let's... Let's just like pick up each chunk, one piece at a time. Let's, let's try to figure this out. They are discussing and processing everything that had happened over the weekend. And then, resurrected Jesus, he kind of just shows up and he starts walking next to them. And he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And then they just stop in their tracks. And they look completely discouraged. Like... You guys can imagine that, that look when, when someone just looks like finished. <laughs> they, they are just like destroyed, discouraged. They just stop on their tracks. Chapter 24, verse, <coughs> verse 18. The one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that has happened here in these days? Jesus says, what things? <laughs> what things? And so they go on and tell resurrected Jesus everything that they know about Jesus. They tell Jesus about what had happened. They tell Jesus about the crucifixion. They tell Jesus about the empty tomb. In a way, they're, they're kind of, without knowing it, kind of semi-evangelizing to Jesus here. Verse 25. Jesus said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets had spoken. You see, they were explaining a lot of things to Jesus about Jesus and about everything, but there were some gaps here. How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus, he's connecting the dots. He's taking these Old Testament lessons and stories and he's, he's threading it through the gospel now. And so, the, the two believers in Jesus, when they get to where they need to be going, uh, they invite Jesus to have a meal, and Jesus says, yes. Jesus reclines at the table with these two believers. Verse 30. 
It was as he reclined at the table with them that he took bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to them. Sounds familiar, right? He took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Then he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze while he was talking with us on the road and explaining scriptures to us? <coughs> and so that very hour, they get up, and they head back to Jerusalem. They just travel, but they turn right back around. They head back to Jerusalem city. They find the disciples and everyone else gathered there, and they explained what happened. They explained the whole story, and then they, 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 they tell everyone there in that room that it was when Jesus took the bread and broke it. That's when they saw Jesus clearly. That's when they saw Jesus clearly. So they're talking about what had happened. They're processing. They're trying to figure things out. And then that evening, Jesus himself, resurrected Jesus himself, he appears. And he stands among the group. And he says, peace to you. And Jesus gives them their, their space. Okay, He gives them a few moments for their, for their minds and hearts to calm down. He shows them his hands and his feet. The wounds of crucifixion remaining. You know, this is a type of sign language communicating the truth here. And Jesus asks, do you have anything to eat? And they do. They have broiled fish. And so, once again, we have another meal with Jesus. This time with broiled fish. Resurrected Jesus eating broiled fish with his gang. Verse 44. Then Jesus told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Okay, that's, that's a way of just kind of saying the Old Testament. Law of Moses, prophets, Psalms, the whole Old Testament. Okay, everything needs to be fulfilled. It's pointing to me. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I'm sending you. I'm sending you what my Father promised. That's the Holy Spirit. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. And so yeah, that must have been a fantastic Bible study by Jesus. Jesus wasn't anti-intellectual either. He took time to explain the scriptures to them. And then he, he works his way up through everything and then he gets to the group and he's like, you are my witnesses. What I started here you're going to continue to do it. You're going to take this revolution and spread it to the nations. For now, wait, wait a smidge. Okay, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. 
But when the Holy Spirit comes, the promised Holy Spirit, then it's go time. And you go and you tell the world what happened here. Jesus says, brothers and sisters, go be my heralds. Go tell the world that the tomb is empty and your hearts don't need to be. And so here we are, Easter Sunday 2023, and Jesus' people are still gathering. We're still gathering. And we remember what Jesus has done. And we don't want to miss Jesus. We don't want to miss Jesus. Sometimes it takes us a while, as we've seen in Luke here. Sometimes it takes us a while to see him clearly. Because perhaps we have our own interpretations. We have our own stories of Jesus. Sometimes we deny him. Sometimes we abandon him. Sometimes we're against him. <coughs> Sometimes we miss Jesus because we're simply trying to write the story in the dark instead of the bright light of Easter. Today, we remember his sacrifice. We remember what Jesus has done. We remember the empty tomb. We remember that it is in and all because of Jesus. We are family. Jesus makes us family. And Jesus bestowed his kingdom to his disciples. That includes us. Which means we're also kingdom representatives here. And the way that we remember, the the way that we do this is by doing what Jesus told us to do. We remember through sharing a meal together. And everyone is invited to believe, and everyone is welcome at the table. Because it's it's the miracle of, of the table. Jesus is the head of the table, the centering piece of our faith. In fact, Jesus isn't interested at all in the tables that we want to build for ourselves to protect ourselves or to promote ourselves. Jesus is not interested in a segregated table. He is the center of our faith. We are united around Jesus. Jesus <coughs> wants to have a meal with you. Jesus wants to have a meal with you. There's three meals in the scriptures we looked at today. Passover, the Emmaus believers, the broiled fish. Well, today, we'll do a fourth meal together. Jesus wants to recline with you. He wants to have a meal with you. God and Jesus has come to us. His love invades the deepest parts of our sin and boundedness. And Jesus says that he has come to set the captives, that's you and I, free. And his table is the continual reminder that we actually bring nothing to it. Because it's all about him. It's all about his cross. It's about his grace. It's about his hospitality. And so, may we surrender our hard, striving eyes. And may we see Jesus clearly today. May we see Jesus as the crucified and risen Lord. He is the host 
who gathers us together as we march forward to the new creation. At this time, I invite the ushers to come forward.